Next in our daily Bible reading, we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. In chapter 10, we are introduced to Saul uh, after the historical information in the, in the chapters before about the, the genealogies and line that brings us up to Saul. We learned why, why Saul, first king of Israel, remember I told you last week, I said, or yesterday, I said that uh, um, God did not want the people of Israel to have a king. He doesn't want us to have a king, an earthly king. Uh, Jesus spent his whole ministry to say that he was not an earthly king. They wanted to try to make him such. He, The battle he would fight would be a much greater battle. It would be a battle in the spiritual realm. He is king of kings and lord of lords because like any, any earthly king, any earthly king is going to rise and fall. Every single one of them has done that. Every single kingdom has come and it's gone. But his kingdom truly lasts forever. Unlike an earthly king, which eventually the power always goes to their head, um, uh, that's that's true uh, in with anybody. Uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, um, they can't handle that. God can handle that. He can be King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and yet be the suffering servant in His Son Jesus Christ. Be the one who truly loves us, who keeps all of His promises, who uh, is not uh, corrupted by sin, uh, resists Satan all along, and loves us with an incredible kind of love <clears throat> that the psalmist talks about in the Old Testament. Talks about time and time again, God's patient, uh, covenantal, um, uh, steadfast kind of love. Uh, and in the New Testament about Jesus kind of love for us, greater love is no man than this, and that he lay down his life for his friends. Uh, this is the kind of Savior we need and we have uh, in, in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. Um, but here's David, um, the man who's called a man after God's own heart, uh, because when he did sin, uh, fortunately, uh, by the grace of God, sending Nathan to him, uh, Nathan does repent. He confesses to God and admits to that, and he repents of that. That's what makes him a man after God's own heart. Uh, but the line of Jesus is going to come through through earthly people like David who are sinners because he came for sinners. Jesus even dies among sinners. He's hanging on there there on the cross with, with thieves uh, on either side of him because he came for people like you and me. He came for sinners to redeem sinners, uh, and that's who he is. Uh, but notice that David is anointed as king here in chapter uh, in chapter 11. We see that about him, um, and that's an interesting choice of word because uh, the word for anointed is where we get the word Messiah or Christ because he is the anointed one, capital T-H-E, anointed one, um, anointed uh, in by the Holy Spirit, as we read about in the, in the New Testament. Uh, when Christ comes at his baptism, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. God the Father speaks from heaven uh, there, and he's anointed as the king uh, in the line of other kings on this earth, such as David. Uh, but all those kings failed. Uh, they didn't live forever. But God promised David he would give him a kingdom, uh, a king that would last forever that come from his line. And of course, that's Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something about how David's uh, brought up here. It says, in times past, even when Saul was king, it was you, they said to, to David, who led out and, and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, you shall be shepherd. Notice that language. They don't call him king. They call him shepherd. In fact, God expected every earthly king that reigned to not be like an earthly king, but to be more like a shepherd, one who was over them, who was responsible for them, but would lead them and would lead them, of course, in the right path. And of course, when you hear that word shepherd, you and I can't help but go to Jesus, who is the good shepherd. Why is he the good shepherd? Because he lays down his life for the sheep and he truly leads 
leads him. Jesus says, come and follow me to his disciples. Um, so we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and we follow him. Um, so that even though when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid. Why? Because I'm following my Savior. He leads me through there. All that wonderful language refers to him as a prince, um, not necessarily as a king. It says, you shall be shepherd of my people Israel. You shall be prince over my people Israel. In other words, you're a prince under the king of kings, uh, who is God. And, uh, and we see kind of a sense of that of what God was really looking for. Uh, there are elders of Israel, verse 3 says, so all the elders of Israel came to, came to the king at Hebron. Um, that is those uh, older, more wiser men who are called and given responsibility to lead God's people, make good decisions for them, care for them, love them. It kind of reminds you a little bit of the, the setup we have in the church where you call, for instance, at St. Paul, me to be pastor. Uh, uh, with me is, is leading with the elders of the congregation who have a, a certain responsibility uh, before that. God always uh, likes uh, li lines things up that way for our good and, and for our leading and for our guidance. And then it says, um, so all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed him king over Israel. And then it says, here we go. Here's the history behind Jerusalem. So, and David and all the Israelites went to Jerusalem, that is Jebus, where the Jebusites were, and they drove them out. Um, hence it's called, uh, and then it's called uh, Jerusalem. And it says, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. Now Zion, you hear that term, we named churches after that. Zion comes either from the word for defend, because it was a mountain, a place where they could defend Jerusalem. Remember, when they're going to Jerusalem, you always go up to Jerusalem, you go up that mountain. Why? Because a fortress on a mountain is much easier to protect, uh, because you can look down at the enemy, you can shoot down at the enemy, you can see the enemy coming um, hence the, the the meaning of the of the word Zion being either defend or bald it looks like a bald head um, uh, the mountain does no trees to block your view of, of enemies around you uh, and there you get that sense and that becomes the city of David and truly it is notice that's where Jerusalem or Jerusalem is where Jesus comes that's where Calvary happens that's where the resurrection happened and Jesus reigns as king of kings and lord of lords there and then uh, on top of that the name Jerusalem meaning city of peace and truly God brought peace to us there through his son uh, Jesus Christ and so we get introduced to David here in, in first chronicles and uh, we'll learn more about him the rest of the chapter talks about his mighty men uh, Joab he is the commander of his forces and others that are part of that army kind of reminds you of that um, of how uh, in an earthly perspective, David has those who protect him. Uh, God also has his armies too. It's called Lord of Sabaoth, which means hosts of armies, but that's armies of angels. They're fighting for us on the spiritual realm. They do whatever God tells them to do on our behalf and for our good. And we thank him that we are, we are protected by such an army um, as that. So God bless you as you continue to read. Um, that's gonna uh, do one more chapter this week. And uh, then we take a time off on Sunday uh, for the Lord's Day to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God bless you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow in the reading.